welcome to the Mindful Surfer podcast with myself, Will Foster, and my co-host, Liam, the Shredder Morgan, <laughs> with a beautiful uh, set of um, hairs, hair, 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 hairy bits, um, although I've not seen them in full, full sight yet. I do know this, I do know that it is vital, vital that we uh, manage our pubic hair well as surfers. Men or man or woman, doesn't matter. You have got to manage that thing well. Oh, he's it, it, can get, it can get really, <laughs> really tricky down there. We all know the case. He's back. Welcome to the Mindful Surfer Podcast. Welcome to the Mindful <laughs> Surfer Podcast. Hills Pupa, well, where we are recording. Welcome, welcome from a van. We're in a van. It's Liam's van, and it's really nice. Um, but we're not the, actually the, going the, anywhere. The, the, we're not going anywhere. It's a metaphor of that. <laughs> <for life. laughs> and and your wing mirror is is just holding on. You've got a nice bit of duct tape there. That, look, that is a real Will Foster well, uh, repair job, that. Because I'm terrible at DIYs. Anyone who knows me well, I am awful at DIY. And that, well, that looks like the kind of thing I would do. It's drooping a little bit. I mean, the story goes... I better be careful telling this story. I've already... We had one, one wing mirror knocked off uh, by a, a reckless driver uh, parked outside while it was parked outside our house. Um, and then the other wing mirror was knocked off by my nearest and dearest... Um, while she was navigating a narrow street and she hit a delivery truck. So uh, I am about to refix that. Can I say, though, for, and I know there are a few people in the surf community who drive these VW transporter vans, if you do have a wing mirror knocked off, you will probably be quoted about, I don't know, anywhere up to 300 quid to fix and replace the wing mirror. But if it's simply the bracket that's broken, in which case both sides was the case of... Um, about six pounds fifty from most VW van supplies, uh, online stores, or a local garage. Holy so, smokes! So, YouTube, six pounds fifty, decent set of tools. Boom, you're in. You've saved yourself Yorkshire style. You've saved yourself some money. <laughs> Yorkshire style. Um, I, I mean that wing mirror there is essentially an analogy for my original goal winter wetsuit that I had when we first started recording this podcast. And we were just chatting about new wetsuits before this, and I had a flashback to my um, suit of armour that I was wearing. Uh, Goodness me. That was worse than a duct tape VW transporter mirror. There's there's good gear, okay gear, and bad gear. And I've got to say, gull. Gull do, then then I say bad gear. You know, that's, that's, that's unfair. But what I will say is this. When you compare it against, let's say, an O'Neill, my goodness me, even a brand new gull wetsuit compared to an O'Neill, you just stretch it, you move it, you feel it, you get a feel for it. it you get what you pay for in this world. <laughs> You're getting some letters now. We're getting from the gull, letters from the, the gull, gull headquarters. <laughs> the gull mafia. But they do some good gear. Listen, here's the thing, here's the thing. Depending on your budget, let's talk about wetsuits for now. Because I think listen, we're good, in that season. Good sailing kind of gear. Gull do good sailing kind of gear and also they do very good basic gear if you're new to surfing and you want to keep things to a budget. So let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater here. Uh, Gull is still pretty good. If you're going up through the levels and you're wanting to spend upwards of an hour in the ocean trying to really move your body the best way you can with the limitation we have of wearing this thing called a wetsuit in colder climates, which is, I think, probably two-thirds of the surfing world, just going to guess, surf in a wetsuit. That's... there's a wild guess for you. <laughs> but, but let's say we're not all surfing in boardies. You know, most of us are surfing in wetsuits. The hyper freak and the techno butter 
that you get from O'Neill, which is all just such funny, just these funny, funny words that <laughs> wetsuit companies. I mean, O'Neill, and uh, not O'Neill, Rip Curl have what's called an E-bomb. They, they've gone, it's that these explosive, freaky, hyper, like dramatic words that are going to change your life when you put on this suit. You're going to surf better. Um, there's something very, very, very exciting about putting on a brand new wetsuit. When, you, when you're taking off the label and the smell of it, it's like the smell of new trainers. There's this really interesting smell that we get with new gear that evaporates after one surf. Maybe, no, maybe two. But I've got to say the O'Neill stuff, so we, we, we've been big advocates of O'Neill wetsuits since the beginning of this, and, uh, and this podcast. Can I just say... We're still not sponsored by them. Well, well I meant to make this point, right? If, if anybody happens upon the O'Neill uh, website, they now get this. I'm not saying, Will, for a, 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 in any way that we've influenced the marketing here, but one of the pointers around their new... Techno Butter 4 wetsuit, which does look pretty good. Techno looks like four. It looks like Spider-Man's <laughs> new suit. Is that it's, get this, mindful design. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, what they've is been, that? They've been listening. What is Seriously, that? Seriously, Jack O'Neill, up in heaven, has been listening, and he's sing, sending little signs down to the marketing team. I start using more mindful words, like mindful. Yeah, it's a mindful mm-hmm. design. I'm yet to see what that is actually, what that actually in practice. Means, what that actually means in reality is anyone's guess. We are mindful but, but can, about but, how much money we will make <laughs> from <laughs> selling this wetsuit. We're mindful that we're going to be really rich and that's going to be really fun. And I'm mindful of how much, how much enjoyment I'm going to get from my trip to the Maldives, <laughs> from all the profits I make. Yeah. And if, if you are an O'Neill person and you're listening to this and you have thought about using mindful because of the influence of this very very leading surf podcast um if you wouldn't mind covering the cost of my uh, wing mirror <laughs> that would be that would be a start that would be a start in itself yeah but we, we, we on a serious note we we only only wetsuits are right up there everyone's got their favorite brand um we're very biased i, I got liam influenced on the o'neill side of things when you got your first uh, psycho one which is for me still the sort of Go as far as saying that the top wets that you can get as a sort of cold yeah. water surfer. I think that if you, it, it depends how, how cold your water is, but if your water is anything between seven or eight degrees up to 12, this is Celsius. So work that out if you're abroad and you use Fahrenheit and you're wanting a, an amazing, amazing suit. It is a Psycho one, either 5.4 or 4.3. We go for 4.3 because we then put some layerage underneath, you know, the one mil vests with the, with the, you know, the hooded vests and that kind of thing. And it's amazing. You feel like you're wearing very, very little and they're super flexible. They stay really dry. They, they wear really well. You'll get a season or two out of them if you, wear, if you use them a lot. Um, they come with a price tag. You, you could spend, I mean, I've done it how many fucking times I've done this where I've wasted another 180 quid or 160 quid or 140 quid on a deal that's going on a Quicksilver wetsuit or a deal that's going on some, I mean, to be honest, even Vizsla. And that, other brands like Billabong haven't been good either. So I've I Vizsla is the worst suit that I bought. There you go. My Vizsla like wore out in two months. But the thing is, the thing is with it is it's this thing where I've then gone cheaper and paid the price, and you really do get what you pay for. Once you're once you start to look, I, I, I said this to you before on the phone. When you look around online, and there's so many wetsuit brands to choose from. Start sniffing a rat. Start picking up a clue when you see that the discounted suits 
are the ones that always get discounted. The Billabongs, the Vizslers, the uh, Quicksilvers and so on of this world. You never see a discounted O'Neill. I've, I've yet to get an O'Neill in the sale. Every winter I have to buy it in full price. It's, well, it's, if your standard sizes are definitely, because um, if you're prepared to, if you're, if, if some of the more obscure sizes, I say obscure, but you know, the, the lesser worn sizes, they will occasionally get a, a deal on. Um, but, but, but the small, medium, medium, medium tall, medium, medium tall, long, whatever, but, it's the XXXL or whatever, they, they might sometimes have that as a clearance, but gen- generally speaking, yeah, you're not getting a discount on these things. And frankly, the cost per surf, if you surf a lot, why not be comfortable with a good suit? I would rather spend £500 less per year on clothes, £300, what, £1,000. Some people spend an absolute fortune on just clothes, like shirts and jumpers and jeans and trainers. and da, da, da. I'd rather spend nothing, quite frankly, on clothing throughout the year and have that spare three, 400 quid to get an unreal wetsuit. Because, my God, when you think about value, um, it's, it's putting your money in this kind of very minimalist mindset, which is that it's not necessarily about how much you spend, but it's how you spend it. And how you spend your money is what value you're getting from what you're, you're spending it on. And yeah, fair enough. Listen, you know, if you want to get all the clothes and the expensive wetsuit because you're earning loads of money, then whatever, knock yourself out. Great. Nothing wrong with that at all. It's just that if you're on a budget and you're looking at how you spend money, my God, think about the value you get for out, of, uh, out of that wetsuit. It's like, it's comfort, it's warmth. It's the thing that you love to do the most. And if it's the difference between that or, and, and, and getting that brand new, let's say 200 quid coat, which, and when you've got one from last year or the year or the previous winter, that's still working fine. You kind of go, well, do you know what? Yeah. Get the suit. Cause we're in that cold water and it's, it's brutal, man. You've got to be geared up. Well, that's it. We are at time of recording. We're hitting what early part of October. The temperature's gone, hasn't it? That kind of yep. warm, yep. balmy, late september sunshine has just left us um the water is noticeably cooler um the evenings are drawing in the clocks are going to change we're we're into dark nights but the upside if you've got the right gear on is that the waves are better or more powerful and allow you to more consistently go and surf and so fun times ahead for surfers in the autumn winter it is and it was actually talking about surf uh in our intro now moving on you um you took off on a bomb two days ago. It's really cool to watch. We, we've discussed many times in this show uh, all of our um, sort of mindset um, bits, um, the pluses and minuses, the strengths and weaknesses. And uh, I know that for me, when the waves get bigger and steeper, I get a little bit more confident because weirdly, my takeoff is such the weakest part of my surfing that my mindset goes the other way when the waves get small. When the waves get small, I lose a bit of confidence because I'm not very good at snapping on a surfboard. So small waves, harder to snap on if you want to really you know, take off in the right part of the wave. When they get bigger and steeper, you get kind of more time to really line everything up and you, you let the board kind of falls under your feet. You don't really have to snap onto it. It snaps onto you, so to speak. Um, but that's a mindset thing. So I, I know that I've got the mind to better just look down the line on a bigger wave, steeper wave, and just go for it. And then for yourself... It's been the other way around. Your, your snap is ridiculous. And we've discussed this many times. You've got these crazy snaky hips where your hip flexor just, just is so fluid and your, your, your glute range of motion is so fluid. So you get low very, very quickly onto the board. So you can snap on a one foot microwave and glide across it. No, no issue. It's just, it's incredible. Where, where then 
your stuff goes the other way, ease when it gets bigger and so on. And we yeah. talked about this. So to see you snap on that wave like that, proper six foot right-hander at our home break. We don't get as many six foot days at our home break, but it was, it was properly overhead and it was steep. It was big and you were going towards the rocks. You went for it. Fucking ace. Good to watch. I'm still here. You're still here. Um, no, it's really interesting. We were, we were chatting after the session about that. And, um, you know, because I'm, as you get older as well, you're a bit more in tune with your own mortality. So you sort of start to pull out of things that otherwise you, youthful version of yourself would just kind of charge at. And then uh, working on that to align your mind with your abilities is a really big thing in sports where there are consequences to getting things wrong, right? So it's a real challenge. But um, as with all of these things, where there is jeopardy, there's reward. And the... The, the euphoria that comes from that and, and and look we're not talking pipe because that's definitely off the uh, <laughs> off the off the list of things that I do it, it's more about um, doing things that push your own version of what is the uh, comfort zone and you dial the practice and the ability up uh, and then you bring your mind along with that and suddenly yeah the flow and the euphoria is way way more intense and off the charts than it has ever been and so that yeah, just that was was fun, and I have to give some credit. We talked a lot about wave pools to this uh, on this podcast, but there is something in the uh, drop and takeoff rep- repetition uh, at places like the wave that allow you to just get your mind used to that drop and go. You know, for whatever other bits we might then say about that wave, um, this is the this is a, a really good way of l- learning to take off on steeper, more critical um, sections. So that that I, I would credit that as part of the process as well. Really good, dude. And we talked about this before, where yeah. you you look at surfers' eyes, and it's really interesting. I was out with a friend the other day, and Ryan, if you're listening, love you, mate. And it was so much fun surfing with you the other day. And we were at a, a punchy uh, break on the north coast, and it was easily overhead, three four feet overhead, and 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 pretty powerful. And he was pulling out of a lot of waves, and I was watching where his eyes were and what he was doing was he was he was paddling and looking at the nose of his board and looking down the wave and it is it is just like a, a death slide you know that those really steep slides that you get if you look at look at the drop with your feet over the edge you're going to take way longer to go down whereas if you just look up put your feet out cross your arms and go well it's it's a different experience so it's the same in surfing when you if you look down the wave, it looks so intimidating. If you look across the wave, all you can see is the possibility of joy. And that, that switch is the biggest thing in, in getting yourself into steeper waves, bigger waves, because you've got, to make your, you've got to have your mindset that says, I can do this, I will do this, if I just focus on where it is I want to go, not where is it that I don't want to go. Because when you focus on what you, where you don't want to go, which is straight down over the falls, nose into the pour of the ocean, wave on your back, bye-bye, see you later. Get the body uh, responds in kind because you know that this mind affects this body and so on. And then before you know it, fear is taken over and you pull back. If you, look, if you look at people's eyes and you look down the line of the wave, everything changes. The board falls under your feet. You connect with that board. You take your first bottom turn, your first pump, and you're off. Because the thing about landing in the right place on a surfboard on a steeper wave is once you have done that, and you look down the line, surfing is easier, not harder, when waves are more powerful because you go quicker. So you just fly and you're off. And, 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 it, and it's, I mean, is it less dangerous? I mean, who knows? It, I don't know if we've got stats on, you know, wave size and, and, and danger, so to speak. 
But talking from personal experience, I find myself more on edge in smaller conditions that are breaking close to a shoreline, close to people, than I do in bigger conditions breaking further out the back. Because the worst case scenario is you fall off on a bigger wave, tumble round and round, and, and you come back up. That's the kind of worst case scenario. Whereas when you're in shallower conditions, smaller conditions, and people talk about this on reef breaks, reef breaks like Chiapu are considered more dangerous on the, on the three foot, four foot days than they are the six foot, eight foot, 10 foot days. Now that's, <laughs> that's me, from me talking from my position where I kind of have heard stories about what it's like, but what it's actually like when it's say you know, eight to 10 feet is obviously probably a very, very different situation. But even still, it's this thing where reefs get much shallower the smaller the conditions are because they break, sh- they break further in towards the way that reef is. So it's, it's one of these ones where there's, when there's a lot of moving water around, it's actually like a, it's a, I consider it like a, a safety thing. Sounds, sounds odd because a lot of people say, well, it's loads of water, loads of water, it could hold you down. But when in reality, hold downs are nowhere near as long as we think they are. And this is why so much of our on-land training is, is vital and our training in the pool and our training of holding our breath and so on. Because the longest hold down that I could get in sizable conditions in most parts of the world would be like a long, long hold down. I've had some, so I had one uh, in a break nearby to where we live here from last year. And that was eight, nine seconds, maybe. And that felt like an eternity because my normal hold down in even quite big waves, let's say double overhead, would be four seconds, five, maybe six. And you kind of get span around and around and you then just gradually work your way to the surface and you pop back up. When you get in serious waves of consequence, waves that look, that really do look ridiculous to surf. Yeah, that's going to be different. That, you're looking at your 15 second hold down, 20 seconds. And that, that, that takes significant training. Um, and those boys, you know, have got tow teams and they've got the whole setup and they've got the impact vests and so on. But if you are just listening to this and you're wanting to kind of test out your, your boundaries, just know that if you can, t- if you can test out that, that underwater swim or hold your breath at home or so on for at least 30 seconds, 45, so on, you know, you've got it. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, you know, <clears throat> funnily enough, I was doing this on Monday night in the, in the, um, the surf lifesaving pool training that, we're, that I'm, I'm doing now that we're in the sort of winter season. And we were doing breath holds. And it's sort of so important, I would say, for anybody that's going in the sea to just get used to the idea that you might have to swim underwater for a bit, not very long, but at least get to a place where you can go a length underwater. And then you can build up. The body's amazing, right? So then you can get to two lengths. And frankly, at that, you're doing really well. I think anybody that can do that is, 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 is very, very comfortable with, with, with any hold down that they're probably going to get in this, uh, in this place. Um, and so, you know, everybody can get to a pool and practice doing a length underwater. Um, or the other thing to do, which we were doing as drills, is hold your breath for 10, swim without taking a breath for a length. Hold your, then have a rest, hold your breath for 15, and then start swimming for the length, having already done a 15-second 15 bre- 15 breath hold, and then 20 and up to 25. And if you can hold your breath for a count of 25 and then set off to swim and swim the length, um, that's really, really great practice. Uh, and it's good, for, it's good for your lung, and it gets you into that kind of hypoxic state where you've got to swim as well. And it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty, I, I find it challenging. Um, but it's great to sort of just push the body a little bit because I do, I don't like being, uh, under the water for too long. You know, everybody has that instinct to take a breath. So, yeah, I think that's kind of for anybody starting out going, especially in winter going and surfing, why not just get yourself a little bit of breath practice in, in the pool. 
I'm not talking about getting rocks and doing a Laird Hamilton and running along the bottom of oh, your yeah. do, do local the, beach. The, the, but the, you can the full the full big wave training deal. Yeah. You grab the rock and run across the run across the fall. But no, it's it's definitely it's a journey. You got to have the right boards too for this time of year. You know, when you, wherever you're listening to this, if if you've got uh, your your swell season really kicking in, Northern Hemisphere will be obviously autumn. We're all looking forward to you know whether it's East Coast, America, West Coast, um, even up to obviously Hawaii. Um, they get more of their swells now and Europe, obviously, North Africa, et cetera. Um, different for Oz, if you're listening down there in New Zealand and different South Africa, et cetera, it's obviously, I think it's the complete other way around. But if you're listening to this and you're wanting to get into those meter conditions, board has a, has a role to play too. And, it's, and then it's lastly, it's who you surf with. Because I think having a little bit of a crew is important because it's that sort of feeling of camaraderie. And, and when you're sharing in an experience, it halves the fear. It's that, it's that old saying, which is a joy shares a joy doubled and a problem shares a problem halved. As soon as you're out there in meaty conditions with a good crew, it's not just meaty conditions on your own. You know, I, me and my brothers have spoken about this before. When we surf certain breaks that we like to surf when it's big, uh, solo, it's, it's, it's different. And you really notice how awesome a sport surfing is when it's social because we're social creatures and we've evolved to have this companionship with each other. And, 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 and life is richer and better when you're experiencing it. It's calmer. It's happier. It's everything you want it to be. So that's why, you know, we discuss this so many times on the podcast, which is that if you've got certain crew members that you're sort of pulling away from and other crew members in your life who you're sort of draw, being draw, more drawn towards, well, yeah, go towards those people you're being more drawn towards. I know it sounds very obvious what I'm saying, but of course, in reality, it's, it's quite tricky sometimes because, you know, some people in that tribe that you used to be a part of that you're drifting now drifting away from because you're on a different path you're on a different vibe you don't, you don't maybe quite get on as as well as you once did it takes a fair bit of sort of basically being assertive about your own needs really because um it it can, it can make the surfing experience not quite as fun as you you might want it to be i mean for example it, when you when you're when you're surfing with the right people you'll notice that there's always this cheerleading feeling there's always this feeling and sense that they've, they've got, A, got your back, but B, they're congratulating, cheering you on for, for, for your successes. And when you're in a, other surf tribes, which I've been in personally, it feels different. And it's not like it's even then that they're bad humans, that there's anything wrong with them at all or anything like that or in between. It's more just that it's not my vibe. And that's, I think, very, very important to surfers. It's something that probably doesn't get talked about actually that much i think in the surf community it's it's a fuck it's such a social sport yeah and, and you've got to find that right tribe and it's kind of that's the parallel with life right so 100%. which we always do on the show and being a mindful surfer podcast is that you say well if you surround yourself with people who are happy for everything that you do and accept you for everything that you are and that you can maintain solid uh, good uh, warm f- friendships around that unit when you've all got maybe different opinions and different views of the world, but your your hearts are good and therefore the joy is there when you hang out, um, then they're the people to sort of build around you. You, you know, don't just sort of uh, hang out with your surf tribe or any other tribe just because they are in invoke your tribe. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And, and so, you know, to, to be accepted and to be part of something uh, but that allows you to be who you are and how you surf and how you live is, is, is a real rewarding experience. And so it, to, to kind of lean into that and to go towards that is I think where there's a lot of 
happiness and reward and flow even, you know, whether that is in the sea or whether it's on land. That's so true, dude. So true. And it really, I think it really makes a big difference in your surfing. You know, when you're feeling supported and loved by the people that you're surfing with and there's a real shared joy, geez, man, you surf better. I swear it, does, it makes a real difference. Like I've, I've surfed with other people then where it's not quite the same and, and it does affect my performance because clearly the mind and body are linked. If you're mentally not quite as, as there, then again, physically, it's not going to be quite, quite as there either. And, you know, there's the Laird Hamilton quote, which is, which is great on this that we're talking about, which is he, he, he's quoted as saying, I remember him saying this, by the way, in um, End of Summer 2. He's talking with Jerry Lopez because they're at, um, not Cloudbreak, sorry, they're at G-Land and he's just chatting away about uh, surfing and Laird says something along the lines of I would rather surf three foot on shore with my best friends than six foot perfection with a bunch of guys that I don't know and, 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 not, and I'm not getting on with kind of, kind of thing and that makes so much sense I, I don't know if there'd be a surfer on the planet who wouldn't agree with that it's just that in reality we've got to live it we've got to live it and we've got to breathe it and we've got to do it and that takes reminding yourself why it is that you surf. Yes, it's for surfing. It's for the experience, but it's also for the balance of everything else too. Um, the balance of family life at home, balance of friend life, balance of you know, where you surf and how fun it is for you and your ability, but also the connection with that social aspect and how it all intertwines. It's, it's never just surf, is it? It's, it's, it's like they, all these little uh, cofactors um, add to that experience. It's why sometimes, and we discussed this on the last show, it's why sometimes surfing completely on your own but also with no one else out is, is a really beautiful spiritual experience at times. Like you'll be out there on a, on a perfect day where it happens to be that no one else is in either and you are on your own. And that's also very powerful too at times. That's like a meditation. You're getting this very, very soulful solitude experience. And, and sometimes, sometimes you'll do your best surfing. Well, because there's no ego. All, there's like zero. I, I would go as far as saying all of the time you do your best surfing mm. simply because... It is unobserved yeah. and it's only you doing it. So you, and you're not doing it for anybody other than yourself at that point. Um, so yeah, I think that's a kind of, it, sometimes being watched ruins the experience. I feel like it sort of interrupts the flow. It interrupts it, which, which is why surfing is such a great uh, tonic for the human condition and the human spirit is that like we always say that if it puts you completely in the here and now, if it, if it suspends you, from time and space and into this place where you are just living and breathing good, good energy and you're riding energy and you're part of that connectedness of uh, nature, um, which seemingly today we're all kind of uh, societies have been pushed away from. It is exactly what the human condition requires. It's the, it, it's the ultimate tonic, which is why, you know, it's no surprise when people go and experience either surfing or bodyboarding or body surfing or swimming in the sea for the first time. They're euphoric because it's so far away from the artificial, constantly interrupted, um, always on uh, economy and life that we live. This kind of consumerist buy, shout, sell, be, you know, completely disconnected from nature. You go into the sea, you can't be connected to that. You can only be. So you, you, you definitely, as we've said before, you go from, the, you go from being the human doing that, that current modern society demands that you are and into the human being that you are born as 
And um, that is where the good stuff lies. And, and surfing is just going on the Jerry Lopez thing. We say it a lot on the show is, is the cheat code to access that state. And that's why in some ways it's good to keep tech out of the water, you know, trackers, how far did you surf? How fast did you surf? You know, there's a place for that in performance, but to be disconnected from everything is part of the secret to its um, meditative uh, kind of properties and, and, and its restoration of the human soul. Wonderful, dude. I totally agree. I was getting on that front far too into Surfline when I had the subscription. I had the free subscription where you get this free 30 days, whatever it was. And I was doing this kind of replaying of my uh, waves at certain breaks where they got the camera to better see, see myself surf and all that kind of stuff. And it, it was fun in some ways. Like I've got a little bit of footage on my phone. I've got a couple of nice photos and things like that. <clears throat> and, it's, and, 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 if, and if you see it going well, it's a nice little boost to the ego. Um, when you don't see it go well, though, it's, it goes the other way. And then it tarnishes the experience. And it's this thing where it really truly is about how it feels. And, and listen, we could say this every single week. You know, we could say this every single show and it wouldn't get old. Because how often do we need reminding of that? We, as humans, we, we will flip into unconscious mode and egoic patterns minute by minute. So we need this reminder almost like, you know, tattooed on our hand, you know, just, just, just enjoy the feeling. Just feel your way through your turns. The, thing, the ironic thing as well with, with those turns that you'll do <clears throat> is the best ones you will ever do will be also the ones that felt the best. So the, the most spray you produce, the, the cleanest lines you generate, the, 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 the most elegant you look in your posture and whatever it might be will also coincide with when you were most in the moment and so on and so forth and et cetera, et cetera. Because as humans, when we, when we perform anything, the more in our mind we are, the less in the moment we are. And the less in the moment we are, the less trusting, I think is what it is, and able we are to let the body just do what it can already do. It's just that our minds interrupt all that. That's what, that's what happens. Our minds get so involved that the body just can't, do what it knows it can do. Um, whereas when we are totally in line with the universe, with this no time, no space, no one in the moment, riding that wave and just riding it purely looking, just looking at the lip, looking at the next section, looking, 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 and not thinking about the wave and what you should and shouldn't do. That's when you do your best surfing. I always remember Rob Machado saying that actually. Um, and it was a very simple quote and it was just along the lines of, just look at the section. And it's, it's such a simple quote. It, but you almost, again, need to have a mantra when you go into a surf, like just look at the section because that's what it is. But if you, if you go into a surf more thinking, oh, I really want to work on my cutbacks. I really want to work on... That can be good and there's, there's nothing wrong with that necessarily, but you might not get a cutback section. You might only get top turn sections and, and speed uh, track sections and floater sections and so on. So just... And that's what we love about surfing, right? I think that one of the biggest appeals of surfing the thing that really draws us in is just how every single wave you ever surf is different even at wave parks yeah yeah do you like, know they're different every time i love that about it oh it's so i mean interestingly about this kind of flow and this is where mastery comes in of practice 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 repetition building the experience working to be a better version of yourself every time i saw and i meant to mention this um uh, online on this on some of the social stuff that we don't really tune into that much as, as, as people see we don't post loads of stuff on there because we try not to kind of engage with it too much but some stuff is really useful and uh, I think it was Chris Mills a surf strength coach had put a link to and I'll, I'll find it so that I can repost it later about how 
bodies work when they come to, or humans work when it comes to learning a new skill, especially when it's a motor skill or a physical skill. And you you start when you begin, and this is why you see it in uh, beginner anything, but let's, obviously we're talking about surfing here, a very block movement in bodily function. So all the body seems to move together. You lose some of the fluidity of joint movements that you would use if you were doing something that you had a certain mastery of, of like walking or maybe throwing a ball or cycling or all of the things that you hear surf coaches talk about. But this thing broke it down really well to saying about how does your body move and flow. And then, so the more you flow and the more you practice, the more your body becomes fluid because you relax, your mind knows how to perform that particular physical task. And that's why as you get better, you can put more flow into, and I mean performance flow, um, fluidity, let's call it, into those surfing movements. And the more fluidities in those surfing movements, the better surfing technically you're doing, the better surfing technically you're doing, the more speed you're generating, the more flow experience you're then getting from the wave. So it's really interesting to go through those bits of pain and not give up while you're feeling clunky. Part of feeling clunky is your body trying to master those movements. And that clunkiness, if you persist, won't last forever. It's a bit like you see a kid learning to walk. They're stumbling, they're falling. All of their body moves in kind of quite clunky patterns. Uh, And then soon as you can walk and run, it looks fluid. And so everybody... Every single pro that you see has had to go through that awkward, kooky phase of being uh, clunky and not knowing how to get their motor skills right because the brain's overriding what they need to do to get better in order to perfect the movement. So I must post it because the guy that runs through this articulates it in a few posts way better than I can. But it was a really interesting insight into learning new skills and almost people giving up before they access that wonderful area where you go, Ah, I've got some level of mastery now. I can I can experience what I was looking to experience. And that keeps building. What, there's no kind of final destination, as we've said, for that. It could be that you go from just popping up to riding along the green face of a wave, and then you go from green face of a wave to cutback, then you go from cutback to a bit of a floater, then you go from generating speed down. All of this is a cut. And then the, wherever you want to go is where you go. Um, it's just about then how much are you prepared to practice, how much are you prepared to... Uh, in inverted commas, make a fool of yourself because the more you fall and the more you cook it, the better you, the faster you'll learn. And so all of those things coming together allow you then to go back and, as you say, got to access all of that great state that comes from surfing. So true. I love all that. It's, yeah. it's really interesting because I, I get it with golf now in a really visceral way. I can really relate to anyone listening to this show who's one year in, two year in, three year in, maybe six, yeah. maybe only even three or four, four months or six months in yeah. to a surfing journey taking it a bit more seriously. Um, and it's this other people thing. We, we are fascinating creatures around other people. I could be quite well uh, positioned in the flow experience. Uh, mentally and physically, I'm in the right spot where I've got this challenge, but I've got enough skill to meet the challenge and I'm in the pocket and I'm doing my thing. And then someone waves at me, come through, come through, because you're going quickly. Yeah, and there's, there's, there, and there's two people down the other end of the hole who are waving me through. And it's, so to those of you who don't know about golf, but it, it, if you're playing more quickly because you've only got one of you, aka just me, and there's a, there's a group of, let's say, three who are in front of you, you'll be quicker than that three, most likely. So you get waved through and they say, just play your hole and we'll just let you go ahead of us. <laughs> I reckon on average, I perform 50% of my ability when people are waving me through. 
every now and then I get lucky and I, it, it comes off. I say lucky. Every now and then I focus my mind enough to, to be quote unquote lucky, whatever that is. But just what's great with that is it really shows me what all of our biggest work on is, which is not caring what people think. When you're an adult learner um, in something that involves a physical movement, such as dancing, golf, surfing, horse riding, I don't, whatever it might be that involves movement in particular, we don't want to be that, that mover who stumbles and falls because it, it makes us look like a fool. Um, but here's the kicker. No one gives a shit. They're thinking of their game. They're thinking of their practice. They're thinking of their own stuff. And if they do and are thinking about you in lesser ways, because, oh, look at you, look at how, you know, not very good you are, then you can't control that. So there's no need to try. And, but, but yet we do. And we, we do it unconsciously. This is the whole point. It's not like we don't know this stuff already. We, everything we're saying in our show really is stuff we already know. Like this is, this is, a, this is a, a reminder show of what we already know. But we do need to then still say it. Because, geez, how often are the surfers having these kind of conversations? Not very often, dude. Believe you me. Well, the I'm, shields are in place and surfers are human. They're not going to have these kinds of chats. Trust me. Well, I mean, that's it. Shields are in place with all humans, aren't they? And they, we're becoming more entrenched in societal sort of ways than we ever have been rather than kind of enjoying all the little grey areas in between each of our positions but that's that's probably a conversation for another another day but you're absolutely right and part of this podcast as we've said before is just talking well we are just two guys sat in a van talking to ourselves Will <laughs> fortunate <laughs> enough that maybe one or two people might tune in now Kelly <laughs> Kelly's our one, listening our one listener Kelly Slater <laughs> dude what an intro hey hope you're enjoying the show If you connect with what we do here at The Mindful Surfer, why not share it with your friends? Or go on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Because the more ratings we have, the more likely it is Liam and I can come back week after week and keep building this community of mindful surfers. Now, let's get back to the show. What an intro. Moving on. Tip number two. A little bit of breathing. The Mindful Surfer. Just a couple of moments to check in with your breath and calm the body down. So let's take a breath in through the nose. And breathe out. And take a breath in. And breathe out. And breathe in through your nose again. And breathe out. And just do one more breath for me and just hold your breath at the top. Breathe in through your nose. Hold your breath. Look at the view around you. See what you can see. And then breathe out slowly. One of the things that's going to happen when you surf is you're going to get triggered. What do we mean by triggered? It's where your body uh, feels uh, an autonomic, it, 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 there's this amazing autonomic system of fight and flight in your body that triggers what that word is. It's like a, it's like a gun going off in your body first before even your mind as what we call an autonomic or subconscious re- reaction to some form of action in front of you. Uh, for example, someone kind of getting in the way. Now, we, we have a number of surfers in our hometown, number of surfers um, other breaks, which would be considered their hometown, for example. Um, 
and we deal with crowds of surfers. And I think one of the biggest things we've got to, 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 to work on is our breathing around that. Because what breathing does is it helps you notice your triggers. Because inevitably in surfing, you're going to have times where certain people kind of get in the way a little bit. And whether that's because they're being a bit aggressive or whether that's because they're being a bit clueless or whatever it might be, people are the people. You're going to have to deal with that. And surfing is a sport where you have to sort of share the waves and you've got to kind of find your way through that. But the breathing is so important with it because it, it, it helps you notice how your body's feeling in any given moment. And it's just a chance to check in because you might be having a frustrating surf. You might be having a surf where you're not really getting your waves. Um, and you'll, you'll, you'll start to notice that anytime you get triggered by anything, whether it's crowds, waves, performance, ego, whatever it might be, you're going to notice that your body starts to change in chemistry. You're going to start producing all these stress hormones. And the, the mindful surfer is the surfer who spots that very quickly because it feels so abnormal. Because when you are living a life that's well, generally, to not feel well feels so abnormal that you spot it very, very quickly. It just so happens, though, if someone on land lives a really unhealthy lifestyle and is stressed all the time, they don't know any different. But when they're in the water and they're hating on the crowd and they're bitching and moaning about it and they're, they're shitting on their board and they're hating the conditions and they're in a grumpy mood and whatever else, it's just the same old, same old Dave, for example. Like, it's just the same old, same old. Whereas when we're on this journey, we build up this contrast. Just go to the breath. It's, it, we all have to do it all the time. I, I mean, the, I, I can't tell you the amount of surfs where particularly when it gets really, really punchy and really good and everyone's been waiting for it and there's a bit of hype around a swell and so on that you have to really notice how we're all after these waves. We're all after this experience and we've got to kind of really check in with that and, and notice when we're slipping into this scarcity mode of thinking. Scarcity is, oh, there's not enough waves for me. When am I going to get my wave? You know, is it going to be good, as good as their wave? You know, they've had more waves than I've had and it all these kinds of thoughts that we have are very, very, very normal. That's what we've got to do and say is that, my good God, it's just that you've got a human mind. You've got a human ego. We're all the same. There's no real major difference. Some people are just a bit more aware than others. And yes, we're all authentic. We're all different in terms of, of what we call, quote unquote, personality. But ultimately, if you cut away down the layers of personality and your authentic self and so on, you go right to the core of humans. We are the same. And... So I think it's just about checking in with that breath. And I know I find that difficult in the surf because when you're in the surf, there's already so much adrenaline and there's so much endorphin. So you, you, you can, it can spill into like sort of non-awareness in that way. So keep using these mindfulness skills that we, we talk about each week in the show or, or every four weeks because we've not been doing obviously every week, but work on the breathing, work on the breathing. I, I swear it absolutely is this thing I've noticed in, in the clients that I've trained over the years that the better and better their breathing gets, the more and more aware it gets, the more aware it gets, the more aware they are of their body, therefore their mind as well. And they can start to see when they've slipped into patterns that aren't helpful and, 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 and pull themselves out of them just, just through just being present, being present, letting go, being aware of the breath, what it does to calm the body down. And it's an incredibly powerful thing. Especially, I mean, that's important when you're dealing with these things about ownership. It's like, you know, when you, when you attach your ego to something, so when it's my wave, mm. my break, my this, my that, you, you kind of, it's an extension of you and therefore you get more protective because anybody that seems to be taking that is an infringing on your own sense of worth, really. And that's an absurdity when it comes to things like the sea, <laughs> that you would own that um, particular energy pulse, pulse that's come from somewhere just, so far away. And... 
the the idea that someone's taken it from you. Uh, and, and I'm saying that as somebody who's fallen into that trap before, and we all do. And of, and of course, there are rules and regulations that help police the safety of surfing, and I understand that very clearly. But when you really break it down to think that, oh, that was my wave, then it, it starts to sound a little bit absurd. Sure, I'll, oh. be, I'll be reminded of that the next time I'm whistling someone off one. <laughs> <laughs> we're all we're all human. We, we all human. we all have. If you if you end up being a local at a spot, you know, give yourself a break. We, you know, you're gonna be you're gonna be unconsciously developing a, an attachment to that wave, like it's like it's quote unquote yours, and, and, and it, it's ludicrous. It's fucking ludicrous. Yeah, that it's ours and yours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we do it, and I think that, I think that it's really cool. Actually, this is what happens. I've noticed that people who become more humble to that, aware of that, etc they end up with better surfs more often. Yeah. The grumpy surfer who is the local who we've all seen, who's pissed that there's certain people arriving and blah, blah, blah. They're not having great surfs all the time. No. They're not. But speaking of the That's grump- the reality. Speaking of the grumpy surfer though, uh, he's not actually very grumpy. Ads. He's not, uh, he's not. Uh, although I'm hoping he's less grumpy because I am going to his Brazilian jiu-jitsu um, uh, class on, uh, on Sunday. We're recording this on a Friday. It'll be out next week. Very nice. And I'm hoping I don't get my ass kicked. Because <laughs> they, they, they comes back with a, with a they, cast on they, his leg. They're, they're, they're a tough set of lads. So yeah. uh, we'll see how we go. Very nice. Be, be kind, lads. Um, moving on. Uh, Save number three. Mind, body, stoke. Things Liam and I have been working on with the mind and body to raise the stoke. Now, for me, we've discussed nutrition a lot, um, training a lot, uh, board choice, mindset, breathing, all these things. And you can delve into all this kind of world of mind. And then you, you also got this thing called a body. And the thing about the body is it's this physical reality that we live in, it's this body. And it has uh, limitations, but it also has possibilities and opportunities too. To, to. So you have this body that is limited in certain ways, of course, but of course it can indeed, with interventions, really change into something that's quite powerful and will surprise you what it can do. Um, with that in mind, the leaner you are as a surfer, the more waves you're going to catch and the more waves you catch, the lighter you are because you're burning more mm. fat because your metabolism is working better. So it's an upward spiral. The surfer who is dialing in their nutrition, getting their carbs right, getting their fasting in, doing their, doing their resistance training work, um, getting to bed on time, getting enough growth hormone release at night, getting yeah. in their magnesium for deep sleep, getting in all their things like zinc for testosterone and getting in all their amino acids from protein for recovery, for metabolism and so on and so forth. The list goes on. When you start really dialing it and you get leaner, it's an upward spiral because when you then go to surf, you're actually burning more fat for fuel and not uh, carbohydrate. And for me personally, I'm now running it on average 88 kg, 89 kilo. I'm... Like last year, I was running consistently more like 91, 92. When I get to my 93, 94, yes, I'm very powerful and, and, I'm, and I'm probably more muscular, but I definitely am slower on my takeoffs and in my surfing in general. And I'm really, really, really enjoying being around that 88, 89. Um, I do consistently catch my waves. The waves I do catch, I consistently take off better on my board because the takeoff for me is the hardest thing in surfing. And if I can be lighter doing that, I'll find it easier. So if any of you are listening to this and you're wanting to make big, big gains in your surfing, it is not the next board. Believe me, the amount of surfers I've worked with, because I work with a lot of them and and I train surfers for a living, a lot of them, uh, as a personal trainer and mindfulness coach. 
and nine out of ten of them don't need a different board. Sometimes it's true. Sometimes they're just riding a board that's that's too small. Very rarely is it too big, but sometimes it is just too small, um, and they need to change the, the the board. But most of the time, they've got to look at themselves in the mirror. Yeah, that's what it is. I was I said it a lot, and this is what makes someone like you different, Liam. Yeah. When we spoke about uh, these things years ago, yeah. we were discussing it, and you were saying it. It's not like I was saying it for you, like, oh, mate, you've got a little bit of a tummy, you've got to sort yeah. it out. You were like, oh, do you know what? I've really, I can really tell that I've, I've, I'm carrying too much for this sport. Because when you first moved down here, you, you were, I don't know, how many more kg? Oh, good. For you. I mean, I've been up and down, being like Robbie Williams. Really? <laughs> like, I look at potato and I put on half a stone. Um, yeah, a lot more. What, what was I sort of punching about 12 and a half stone, whatever that is for reference? And I'm probably a good stone or a stone and a half lighter than that now my fighting weight um yeah i've been up at 14 and a half before and that is definitely not a healthy weight and then all the way down to kind of just under 11 and that's again you you start to find the unhealthy weight as well um and i think you know optimal for me as a, an aging surfer as well is it, it protects the joints a bit more um the lighter you are but keep the strength you know you don't have to sacrifice strength sometimes and that's the that's the dial isn't it to to tweak is to say how do I remain strong and agile, functionally fit, but not lose power in legs? And how do I gain power in legs? And so the objective probably is not to go as light as possible, is to be as lean and as agile as possible with strength to perform the things that you want to perform. And that's different for different sports, right? So, um, But generally speaking, the more functionally fit you are, the better. And I, the, the test for me, again, it's always worked. Is every time I've kind of gone from because I've done this yo-yo thing over the years, you go, f- you let it out, you get fit, you let it out, you get fit, is body strength, body, what I would call <laughs> prison exercises, you know, where you go, can I press and pull and push my own body weight around really comfortably? And start, I always start there when I'm trying to rebuild some level of fitness. Can I do pull-ups? Can I press up? Can I do it now with weight assistance? Can I squat? and lunge and do all of those things before anything else comes in um, rather than race straight to the gym and go oh I'm going to do a deadlift and oh now I've just done another uh, disc <laughs> you know? so I love functional uh, strength patterns that enable you then to go and get the best for you again it all comes back to never comparing yourself to other people take inspiration from people and by god you know I'm constantly looking at kettlebell workouts and how to, to improve body weight um, exercises but compare yourself to you, and it can be as simple as, can I do one press-up today? No. Can I do one press-up next week? Yes. Well, that's progress. And then you go, well, when do I get to two? Okay, two. When do I get to 50? You'll get there. you just got to keep going. you just got to always go a little bit further. And if you always go a little bit further, you'll get to a place that's better than the version of you that you are today. Now, the human and the reality uh, angle kicks in, and you fall off that sometimes and you go backwards. But as long as you're prepared to sort of dust yourself off and keep going and you're aware of it, then that's when you get the gains. And what are the gains for? What you're training for? Well, said before, I forget who said it, but, uh, you know, when, sort of, I'll, I'll dig out who said it. But when, when I asked this famous sportsman, said, what are you training for? And he said, I'm training for life. <laughs> you don't know what life might throw at you. So why not be fit for when that comes along? Um, and then having watched, sort of, you know, I have to go and watch kids' sports teams and some of the stuff I'm saying to my kids about training and uh, practice and exercise. There is a, 
there is, I think it maybe is a, a boxing quote that you only can fight as well as you train. And that's, that's life as well, isn't it? You, you can't do the thing you want to do unless you train for it. And so you might as well just train for it. And, and, and being functionally fit is part of just training for being a human being and lugging you, lifting a suitcase, walking up a flight of stairs, uh, running away from something, catch it, you know, whatever you want to apply to that. Uh, if you're not functionally fit as a human, then you might find that the time you need that fitness, you ain't got it. And I think one of the biggest myths that people have, I mean, there's two, I think the two biggest myths that there are in fitness that relate to us as surfers, you know, the fittest, leanest, strongest surfers we can be, most mobile, most balanced, most agile, is one, that the diet's got to be boring and unenjoyable, unfulfilling. And two, you've got to train like a beast. Those two, if people could flip the lid on those two, they would transform their surfing because they transform the inner environment, this world, this, this, this body that you're taking care of. Habits. Habits are everything. Let's relate it to the food thing. If you are in the habit because you've gone through the initial bit of just consistently trying to kind of eat a certain way, which is going to be hard. There are going to be temptations. You are going to have cravings. You're going to have to work at your mindfulness on that and you're going to have to be disciplined, but you will be rewarded. And you'll be rewarded in really, really subtle, but very, very, very powerful ways. Ways that, that, that you won't, that won't seem so obvious as just the body. You're going to start to be rewarded in ways that are related to the mind, which is a mind that is no longer attached and addicted to foods. The amount of people, it's, it's, it's an absolute epidemic, food addiction. If you really start, start to sort of work with people, like I have done for 20 years, and you see how difficult it is for people to change their diets, you start to realize people aren't actually finding their, hearts, their diets hard to change because of sort of, well, this, and I, you know, I need food for that, and I find it difficult to fast. And it's actually, it's just addiction. Yeah. What, we don't realize, what people don't realize is how addictive carbohydrates are in particular in processed foods. But if you start to notice that and you work on your mindfulness and you just simply breathe, take a deep breath, take a moment to, to breathe before you're about to jump in and have that food that you know is going to hold you back. And you, let's say, talk to your partner or your friend about how it's making you feel or write it down about how it's making you feel and not have that food. I know this sounds very, very, very corny and over the top, but it fucking isn't because this is, we're talking about your life here and your life matters. It matters to you because you want to live it the best way you can. And if it really matters to you, you will sit and do the mental health training that needs to be done around food, which is the meditation, the journaling, the talking about it, the breathing through it, letting cravings pass. Because cravings are amazing. They, they will pass. When you have that sudden craving to go to the biscuits cupboard or the crisps or the crackers or the breads or the things you don't need that are going to make you fat and going to slow down your surfing and slow down the whole joy that you're getting from this experience. And, and if you can just notice that craving, it will pass. And then when you start building this habit of letting cravings pass and sticking to the good stuff, which does make you feel full and feel nourished. And that's, again, a huge, huge myth. This is why, like I said to you before, this massive myth that diets need to be boring in order to be successful is bullshit because when you're eating loads of fat, loads of good fibers, loads of good proteins, yes, you still need carbs, but you don't need anywhere near as much as you thought you once did because your fat's gone through the, through the roof because you've let go of this bullshit myth that fat's bad for you. That's gone right up. That's satiating the brain. Same with protein. Is sometimes, you know, for a lot of people I've worked with, when they move away from a lot of the vegetarian, vegan sources of protein and move more towards those uh, animal sources, again, that can be a real boost to, to, the, to the satiety in the brain. Because what's happened to a lot of people in the last 15, 20 years is they've tried to get satiety from food sources that don't create satiety. What you get from a massive bowl of pulses 
is you get a feeling of fullness, but the brain still wants more. And this is where people get so confused. And I've worked with hundreds of vegetarians, and I'm then not saying now on this podcast that there's anything wrong at all with the vegan vegetarian approach. Before you get any letters. Yeah, well, exactly. So we're going to get letters from Gull and vegan diets. <laughs> Beyond burgers <laughs> and, and Gull. Vi- and Vizsla. I said Vizsla wetsuits weren't very and good. And Vizsla. But what we're saying here is, when you're working with people, is what you're trying to get them to do is become more mindful and more aware of these triggers and more aware of their cravings. And when they do, things really start to shift and start to change. And it's the same with training. Yeah. You don't need to beast your body to burn all this fat, blah, 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 blah. You just need to eat a little bit better that's the biggest one. 80% of your gains are going to be in the kitchen. Um, and the 20% you do do in the gym, a good push, a good pull, a bit of course ability training, a couple of good lifts. That's it. Nothing wild. And a fair bit of walking during the day, a bit of mobility. It's not, it's not that complicated. No. It's and not, it doesn't need to be extreme. And it comes, it's the cheesy phrase, isn't it? But you got to, I, I, I always ask, am I, am I surviving or am I thriving? Mm. And do I want to thrive? Yeah. Okay. So, surviving is that just ex- existence, isn't it? If you want to thrive, then there are things that you have to do and, and stuff that is, to start with, trickier, more uncomfortable, requires willpower. And as I said, I will, my willpower breaks and I do things and I go, oh, okay, well, that was a bit of a setback. But you don't let it be the permanent setback that it would be if you completely cave on it. You go, I'll go again. And I know I've done it before and I know I'll get fitter again. And that's the thing. So survive, don't, thrive, don't survive, I would say. Really like that. Get back on that horse, guys. Oh, yeah. Blimey. Bloody hell, lad. Segment number four, surf media. I have delved back into watching some lost footage. Now, lost surfboards, our favourite brand of surfing uh, surfing boards. Not anymore. Our favourite brand. I haven't got one anymore. I've sold it. <laughs> you, you haven't got any lost boards yet. Uh, oh, sorry, anymore. I've, I've just got my new puddle jumper. But um, lost boards, I mean, we, we've said a lot about them, but I think they're the best on the planet for average surfers. Um, get a lost board if you can. If you want to, if you want to get a board that's going to really help you surfing, and that's just the whole range because um, they're always bumped up with the right leaderage. They're, they're always flatter rockers. They're just kind of really, really well designed. But there's there's been a lot of footage on my YouTube that's come up recently of these kind of old um, lost videos where they're riding like the, the round nose fishes and things like that. They just look sick on good waves. Those fishes. There's something really cool. I think it's novelty, obviously, as well. But shortboards, we have all seen a dime a dozen. We have seen thousands of videos of shortboard surfing. So when we then see a bit of fish surfing, and not just fish surfing that's gone the other way either, which is like this kind of ultra-retro sort of glidey stuff, but I'm talking like performance fish. Three fins in the back, slightly full of nose, that can carry through sections, but still a pulled-in tail. It just looks rad. Yeah, man, it's good. Good. I, I like watching it. When, when I see even Mason Ho. Mason you know, Ho was actually, that was the one I enjoyed I, the most. I love watching in Mason. Bali when he was in Mason Indo. Ho surf, yeah. Oh. He's a, he, he, uh, honestly, I, I could watch him and his sister all day surfing. They, they absolutely rip. If I could model my surfing on a few people, you know, Mason would be one of them. Steph Gilmore for like calves, Fanning for absolute power through the turn. And then you've got Ben. Ben Gravy for the joy bit, really, you know, such a good, but Mason Ho, talking of snaps, like I said, that's his ability to get up and into a barrel that is breaking on reef, just right there, or rock, and he's in it, and he seemingly never gets injured. He's off. He's a freak. Absolute, unreal. He's a little bloke. He he is blessed, really, because he's got this amazing power. He is 
but he's tiny. Incredibly, yeah. incredibly powerful <clears throat> when you watch him in footage. Yep. He could he could have been a whatever in other sports, you name it, tennis, amazing tennis player, whatever, because he's just got that physical gift. But I think because he brings this such lighthearted attitude to everything he does, he never seems to land on his fin no. or land on the rock yeah. or... Or snap his neck. I mean, it's ridiculous. He's having a great time. He just has a great time in like 10 foot barrels. Get smashed, pots back up. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. He's he's like that. But um, guys, thanks for joining us yeah. today. Wicked. Nice to be back. Really and, good to be um, back. Probably the worst hour I've spent in a van. We haven't gone anywhere, but we have. We have got gone but anywhere, we, but, we but we might we, be going surfing in 10 minutes. 10 minutes, but we have travelled the world of mindful surfing. So we'll, um, yeah, see you hopefully the next episode. Cheers, guys. Bye.